Welcome to Escape Routes with Condé Nast Traveller. My name is Melinda Stevens, the Editor-in-Chief of Condé Nast Traveller US and Condé Nast Traveller UK, and it is my pleasure to introduce you to our podcast series. Travel is all about storytelling, a story of a place, of its people, of a journey, and at Condé Nast Traveller we've always celebrated the most transportative, evocative travel writing. With much of the world currently grounded, we've come together to take you to some of our favourite places, if only in your imagination, by listening to our most loved travel stories read aloud by the writers who penned them. We hope these short escape routes allow you to daydream of far-flung adventures, discover the world's curious corners or recast familiar destinations in a fresh light, and that you love these travel stories as much as I do. Hello, my name is Timothy O'Grady. Welcome to Condé Nast Traveler's Escape Routes. When I was living in Singapore, the magazine called and asked me if I'd like to go across to Borneo, a place I had not yet reached, even in my imagination. It was in all senses a journey into the unknown, where time and the outside world dissolved in the Earth's richest rainforest, where the orchids alone have 2,000 varieties. I'll be reading here what I wrote about it, which appeared in the April 2013 issue of Condé Nast Traveler. Thanks for listening. Borneo. What does this word invoke in you? I called a few European friends to ask their opinion. Primeval, said one. Mysterious, wild, said others. What about the people, I asked. Loincloths and potbellies? Headhunters and pirates? Is it a country, they asked. To some it was a place from an unreachable time, a garden of Eden, to others an incarnation of the id, better left unexamined, with little in between. The three terrifying figures of my childhood were the mad bomber, the axe lady, and the wild man of Borneo. Perhaps Borneo is so little known in the West because the European powers came to it relatively late. Magellan's ships paused at Brunei in 1521, and the Dutch and British had some early short-term settlements. But it wasn't until the mid-19th century with the British North Borneo Company and the white Raja James Brooke, who was fictionalized by both Conrad and Kipling, that colonialism became entrenched. Since around 700 AD, the Chinese had been exchanging porcelain for camphor, gold, hornbill ivory, dragon's blood, and such aphrodisiacs as rhinoceros horn, bird's nest, and the gallstones of monkeys. How did they find that one out, I wondered. But they only wanted to trade, not to make an empire. The British did as they did in so many places. Private enterprise, backed by the military, established its writ, set up a timber industry and rubber plantations, and built cricket pitches. Then they decided to tax the natives. This was a step too far for Bajo leader Mat Saleh, 
who burned down the British base on Gaia Island. Colonialism finally ended in 1963, and Borneo, the third largest island in the world, now has just short of 20 million people on it, divided among the independent nations of Brunei, Indonesia, and Malaysia. My objective was the rainforest. Who would not want to stand just once in a place a million years old? I headed to Sabah, a Malaysian province in the island's northeast. Seafarers call it the land beneath the wind because it just escapes the typhoon belt. Here are warm emerald and turquoise seas, the freezing peaks of Mount Kinabalu, the strange shapes and startling colors of the coral reefs, but above all, the rainforest. This is nature for those in search of solemn awe. Wood is at the heart of Borneo's history. For millennia, it was a source of food and shelter to its wildlife and its tribes, and then it began to be cut down and sold. Wood from Borneo built Beijing's Temple of Heaven and today provides half the world's annual tropical timber harvest. What was once an enormous rainforest ringed by mangrove and golden sand now looks from the air like a head with a strangely receding hairline. From Singapore I flew to Kota Kinabalu, then to Lahad Datu, and from there on a four-wheel drive over old logging roads to where the wood is tallest, oldest, and most dense, the Danum Valley Conservation Area. This is a sanctuary where the Malaysian government finally called halt to loggers. Here are only a research center and the simple but elegant Borneo Rainforest Lodge, both owned and operated by the government with help from the World Wildlife Fund and Britain's Royal Society. The rest is pristine rainforest, seeming to touch the beginning of time. Things of great age might suggest silence, but the valley was surprisingly dynamic and cacophonous. There are the cicadas, with their varying calls for different times of day, a sleepy inquiry in the mornings, rising to a screech like that of a V-2 rocket at twilight, percussive woodpeckers, the trilling of 320 bird species, falling trees, swinging gibbons, croaking frogs, crashing waterfalls, thunderclaps. All these and many other sounds made it seem as vibrant as a Spanish fiesta. White mist wafts, rain pounds, steam rises. You smell the damp, rotting leaves, soft billows of jasmine, the acrid body chemicals of orangutans. All around, vines and fig trees strangle, limbs reach for light, termites eat, fungi erupt. The whole rainforest in a continuous, visible and audible spectacle of dying and being born. Standing still in it, you feel very busy. I had a guide named Calixtus. He was born in the Sabahan jungle and after a brief and demoralizing time as an office worker had returned to what he loves. He showed me how the mimosa disappears when you touch it. He knew statistics of oxygen production, which fungi the Chinese covet, which trees the jungle dwellers built their coffins from. 
He spotted a small, camouflaged frog through waterfall spray sitting in a rock crevice 30 meters away. He was euphoric when we saw a slow loris, his first in three years. He told me orangutans use banana leaves as umbrellas. Everything I encountered in the forest was amplified and deepened by Calixtus. I saw the rainforest with Calixtus by day and by night, from a canopy walkway suspended nearly 30 meters over the jungle floor, along the boar tracks emanating from the lodge and even floating down the Danum River in an inner tube. On a steep, steamy walk, I stopped for a lunch which lodge staff had set up on the edge of a natural pool, swam out to a waterfall, and then let fish nibble at my feet. This is a beautiful and deeply affecting place. You feel you have traveled far into an interior where you are brought face to face with something elemental, a continuously dramatic spectacle of destruction and creation, such as we hear exists at subatomic and galactic levels, but which we are oblivious to in cities. You leave more inclined to silence than when you arrived. It was strange then, just a few hours after leaving the forest, to find myself in a place of cocktails and infinity pools, high-end dining and high-concept rooms linked by iPhone to the spa and reception desk. But this, I learned, is how it often is for visitors here. You give yourself to the rainforest. You collect yourself at the beach. I was on Gaia Island, one of a cluster off Kota Kinabalu. It was here, you may remember, that Mat Sale burned out the British... Gaia is a microcosm of what Borneo as a whole once was, a rainforest ringed along its shoreline by rock, mangrove, and sand. On it now are a clamorous water village populated in the main by Filipino and Sabahan fishermen and their families, and three hotels, the newest of which is Gaia Island Resort, from Malaysian-owned YTL, the group behind Pangarlao Resort. In an industry inclined to overuse the word, the Gaia Island Resort genuinely offers a bespoke experience and to an unusual degree. You can visit the island's water village school, hike or bicycle on the mainland, be dropped off on your own deserted island, have dinner on a yacht at sunset, meditate, receive tribal massage treatments, be told stories, deep-sea fish, or learn to cook Sabahan food. As in the Danum Valley... The experience here is transformed by the guides. There are two, one for the land and the other for the sea. Justin Jehoon, raised like Calixtus in the jungle, leads nature walks into the rainforest, and he is also, at hotel expense, developing a conservation area and carrying out a study of proboscis monkeys. Red-nosed and pot-bellied, they put Borneans in mind of the Dutch, but some also say they could suggest dyspeptic British colonial officials. Scott Maybach, a marine biologist from New York who has learned to speak Malay, takes people around the islands to deep-sea fish and snorkel over the reefs. I was with him for some hours one morning, losing myself in the surrealist dream world of brain and cabbage shapes in purple and gold under the water, intermittently surfacing to ask questions and to hear in return compact treatises on such topics as the use of electricity to stimulate coral growth. YTL which appears both eco- and staff-conscious, is also letting Maybach run it with his own ideas for a marine conservation area, which it will finance. They were wonderful compliments to one another, 
the rainforest and the sea, steam and sea breezes, the symphony of cicadas and the gently falling waves, dense, green verticality in the far, flat, pale blue horizon. I ended it, as I suggest you do if you have the chance, with a seafood dinner at your own table set out on its own on the white gold beach, ringed with lanterns, your bare feet on the cool sand as you watch the sun go down and the light fade from crimson to pink to blue. As it got to violet on my last night, and I ate the scallops prepared so beautifully by Chef Lend Osmond, a wild bearded jungle pig galloped like a racehorse along the shoreline. This podcast has been brought to you by Malaysia Airlines, the national carrier of Malaysia, which is the best way to fly to, from, and around Malaysia. Flights run from London Heathrow to Kuala Lumpur on board the state-of-the-art Airbus A350. The airline is a member of One World, so customers can also collect and redeem avios as well as earn tier points when booking Malaysia Airlines flights to Southeast Asia and Australasia. For more information, visit www.malaysiaairlines.com. We hope you enjoyed our Escape Routes podcast. Please remember to like and subscribe to help boost us in the charts and ensure you are the first to hear about new episodes.